everyone, and thank you for joining us on an edition of Contour's podcast. My name is Joshua Craker, and I am the Chief Product Officer of Contour. Our topic today is how digital identities can bring trust and transparency to global trade. Uh, and here with me to discuss are Aaron Seabrook, the COO of Contour. Welcome, Aaron. We have Stephen Wolf, the CEO of the Global LEI Foundation, or, or GLEEF. If I pronounced that wrong, please tell me. And if you're unfamiliar with that acronym, Stephen will explain it very shortly. And of course, we have uh, Oswald Kuehler joining us on the podcast again, the Managing Director of ICC's Digital Standards Initiative. Welcome all. All right, so we're going to kick off with, with a question for you, Stephen. Um, I think you know a lot of people may know what a legal entity identifier is or an LEI, but a lot of us may not. So could you explain what the LEI code is, what information it has, and sort of roughly how it works? Yes, Josh, thank you. Um, the LEI is, a, is an offspring of the financial crisis that happened in 2008, where people found out that they had absolutely no clue whom the banks were doing business with at the time, right? Um, so the G20 leaders mandated the FSB to come up with ideas on how to prevent such a systemic crisis for the future. And among all of these ideas, you know, one that uh, the LEI is now representing is the idea of a global business registry. But since there is no global government, of course, you cannot organize this as a, as a, as a government-driven business registry. And that's why um, the FSB um, installed um, a system where we have now at the moment 65 global regulators um, overseeing the global legal anti-identifier system. And our job in GLIFE is uh, to manage the network of partners who do actually the job to issue an LEI. Um, the system has evolved since. Uh, we're not just tied to the financial sector any longer. This is now, you know, uh, um, an identification scheme that can be used in any kind of industry, in any kind of application. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today, you know, the bridge between finance and trade, supply chain and all of that. But in order to give um, um, you a better idea of what we're talking about, I would like to show you an LEI actually. Um, let me share my screen with you. Great, thank you. Now, this is our homepage, and as you can see here already from the appearance, we're addressing um, the businesses around the world um, with, with our mission and vision that uh, we believe that every business should have a global digital um, identity. And um, let me show you one. Um, I'm using an example not from the finance industry. I'm using Nestle, the food producer, um, and, and water producers and everything. Um, so you see here, this is the LEI code. It's a 20-digit alphanumeric number. Um, has no semantics, no meaning whatsoever, but it links to reference data like the name of the company, the registration authority where uh, Nestle is registered, the number under which uh, Nestle could be found in the registry, jurisdiction, legal form, and so on. Let me pause here for a moment and and, and show you um, what what the real issue is. Um, in the world. So you have Nestle Accent, Nestle Accent or without Accent, S.A, S.A, Societaire Anonyme, um, Aktiengesellschaft, and all kinds of permutation, permutations just for the string. Now, if you try to manage um, your records and you really want to find out whom you're doing business with, you must have all the logic in place to determine which company you're talking about. 
And when you took it all, when you look at the subsidiaries, let me show you down here, um, lots of subsidiaries, um, Nestle Australia, Nestle Philippines, all come with the name Nestle in the string. So it really becomes really complicated to find out whom you're actually talking about, whom you're actually talking about. And um, when you see the nested structure here, for instance, there's a chocolate company in, uh, in Brazil, um, then you see how important it is to have one unique identification scheme for businesses around the world. And that's what the LEI represents today. That is fantastic. And uh, how long has it been around? How many LEIs are there out there? We have at the moment roughly 2 million LEIs, which is about 90% of market capitalization globally. Um, the large shops and, 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 and you know, the, the, the big producers and, and banks and everything, they all have an LEI. And we're now engaging more in the SME space and in not listed company space. So we have a, a pretty aggressive growth plan for this. The first LEIs were issued in 2012. Um, life was inaugurated in 2014 because it became very clear from the beginning that you need some kind of an organization helping hand to orchestrate the network of issuers and to create standards and to monitor the compliance of using those standards and things like that. Um, we might come to talk about that today a little bit more in a broader scheme. Um, but uh, we, we, we started off with the, with the finance, uh, financial world. Um, that was completed in 2017-18 and we're now growing since then into other industries. Two million is a lot. That is pretty fantastic. And 90% of the market within 10 years is, is really great market adoption. So congratulations on that. And we, we hope to help you uh, let companies use their LEI for, for a lot more. But I'm curious, Oswald, about the ICC's role in all of this as well. So, of course, I'm not sure how many members the ICC has around the world, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot. Maybe you can tell us. Um, why and, and sort of how is the ICC promoting the use of LEIs and why, why do you think that these digital identities are going to be so important uh, in growing secure trade networks? Uh, thanks. Uh, quite, a, quite a big question. So I think so a few things. Uh, so firstly, we have uh, over 45 million uh, companies, members uh, across the, the globe and we're in over 100 jurisdictions. So quite a, a large uh, footprint over there. I absolutely love what Stefan just did because it reminds me a lot of what I do when I meet with either multilateral organizations, fintechs, or even government officials, is the easiest way for people to understand LEI is go to the website and actually do a search for a company and you're actually going to find most likely you're going to find the organization there and you'll get a, a sense of what that value proposition is. Uh, so for those of you who aren't watching the video, please do go to the Glyph website and, and, and do a search. But to answer your question, uh, Josh, it became very apparent for us when we started the DSI, which was about, let's say, 14, 15 months ago, that identity and identifiers are foundational to anything that we're going to do when it comes to the acceleration of trade digitization globally. I don't know personally as a technologist how you actually approach this issue of how do I connect ecosystems if you don't solve identity first. And so uh, one of the key things that we did initially was actually engage various different organizations to get a sense of, does that make sense? Is that something we needed to solve for? And the reality is that came back as, as again, foundational to, to solving this challenge. 
What a lot of people do generally when they approach it is they either want to recreate, uh, so produce a new standard, um, or potentially see how they monetize the existing work that they've already done and their and their solutions and see how they can expand that into the ecosystem. What we decided to do was uh, not do that, so not create a new standard and actually work with organizations like Life. Uh, Stefan's growth has been phenomenal. When I started my role, I think, Stefan, there was 1.6 million uh, members. So that gives you a sense. So in about, let's say, 13, 14 months, we've gone up to about 2 million. So that's phenomenal. So what do we do at the ICC and how do we work with people like Stefan? Well, I think it comes back to how I started the conversation, which is meeting with as many governments and multilateral organizations as we possibly can to help educate what is the LEI, what is its value proposition, how can it help in the trade process, how do we potentially incorporate that into hypothetically some of the new trade agreements uh, across the globe, or when it comes to fintechs, how do we potentially position the value proposition of being able to connect into something that already has 2 million businesses registered in it? Um, so that's what we are. We're basically Stefan's cheerleaders <laughs> at scale. Well, I, I think it, that, that, that's great. And I think we all need to have some cheerleaders who are, who are supporting each other in the growth of these networks. Um, so, so Aaron, you know, obviously uh, Contour has announced that they're going to be adopting uh, the LEI uh, in its network. Can you tell me a bit more about Contour's decision to take this path uh, and, and how it's going to help us? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've been a result of Oswald's cheerleading uh, effort. So, so congratulations on that one. So our vision is to sort of to be the trusted network for global trade. So our job is to simplify the financial workflows between banks and corporates, but also look at partners who can add complementary integrations into our platform, whether that's electronic bills of lading or double finance check-in or, or whatever. So we're fully aware that our members are going to have multiple connections into multiple different networks. And as Stefan was saying, we've seen many, many issues over the last couple of years where we've been around, whereby mistakes have been made in terms of the names of organizations or where we've tried to integrate two platforms together, whether or not one company has used a holding company to sign up with us, but has used a trading company to sign up with another network. And when we try to glue these things together, mistakes happen because there's humans involved with different names. So what we tried to do was just to take a look at what the industry was doing and through with what Stefan's mentioned and what Oswald has mentioned. And really, rather than trying to create yet another identifier, was actually to look at what's out there now and see what we can leverage. So we looked at all the different identity providers out there. And then, you know, we, we sort of looked at the growth of what LEI has been doing in consultation with our members. And it made a lot of sense to really just adopt the LEI as like a first class citizen in our network. And what that enables us to do is to capture that information from our members, use it in our platform. And then when we're talking about integrations into other networks, or we're talking to our members about integrating Contour into their existing systems, they can use the LEI as the identifier of choice. And so that what that will help to do is improve their user experience in Contour but also hopefully that overall trade digital journey. Oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Aaron. So I'm curious, Stephen, after hearing Aaron's answer, you know, is this something that was envisioned when 
LEIs were created. It seems like it's sort of a changed over the last 10 years or something, but I assume this is a, a sort of the next phase of using identity in these, in these sort of digital platforms and digital networks. Well, I can tell you a little bit about my journey because when, when I was, you know, hired, um, the whole system was already in place, right? Uh, we were, they were just looking for someone who can manage the, the network. And when I looked into this, and I, and I was an entrepreneur all my life, you know, working in the internet and, and stuff like that. When I looked into this, I, I, I feared a very fundamental issue that the LEI system could resolve. So let's let's look at five different worlds, if you like. You have the world of supply chain, where you have the physical distribution, the manufacturing of products and goods. Um, you have always the reverse payment chain, you know, because people want to get their money. Um, then you have all kinds of interactions among market participants, and trade finance is a very good example for that. That's the third one. Um, but then you should not forget that there's also a a, a chain of information and, and information flows that need to be looked at, right? That accompanies uh, the physical world. And last but not least, all of that runs on computer networks. So you have the internet world. Um, now you have five different worlds, and there might be more out there, but that you have five different worlds that all use different standards, different identifiers, different technology. And bringing this together is a huge, huge job. But what we can do is we can give you the building block. There's one little building block of identity for legal entities, for businesses around the world. And that in a free, barrier-free, open uh, uh, way, because everything we do is under open data charter. So you can simply take the data and do whatever you want with it. Okay. Uh, so I'm curious about you know how this is going to grow and sort of what does the LEI do versus maybe what does it not do yet? Net, well, what does it not do yet and how can it expand? So, you know, I think when we looked at that screen that you were sharing, you know, it would show the parents uh, and, and the children underneath it, but does it show individuals? Uh, it, does it have anything else that you're going to be planning in terms of how can the LEI be used in these sort of digital networks and uh, platforms? The LEI is an ISO standard. Um, and within this standard, it was clearly defined that the LEI is only for identifying legal entities. Now, the term legal entities might legal entity might be broader than just corporates. You have all kinds of other legal personalities, if you like, that 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 will be captured here. Um, but we do not um, assign LEIs to natural people, natural persons. Okay, no, I, I wanted to ask this because I think KYC is obviously a big part of what people do, right? So when a platform onboards a corporate, KYC is a big part of it. So it's important, I think, to realize what part of that process uh, the LEI plays. But I guess that's a space that the LEI isn't going to be getting into or it's going to stay away from for now in terms of the individuals and beneficiaries. The, the LEI doesn't replace KYC. It's still the obligation of each firm um, to do the necessary background checks. And that is much bigger than, than just checking the identity. This is with all the AML requirements these days, it's a much more complicated task. But once you have established um, a relationship, a business relationship, then the LEI is good. And you know, in the future, also the digital version of the LEI with crypto assigned to it, the LEI is good for identifying the counterparties in basically each transaction and each mm -hmm. And each, each document, right? So it helps KYC because you find the information more easily. 
Um, it will connect information sets that you get from multiple sources much easier, and then you can use it um, in your applications basically in, with, with every single mouse click. Okay, no, I think that's great. Um, maybe shifting over to you, to you Oswald, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, this recent guide that the ICC published, the Identity Management Guide, uh, which is for all parties in international supply chains. So I'm curious to see how you uh, and the ICC sort of see digital identities like LEIs creating business value. Um, how do you think it could possibly even ease current strains in, in global supply chains? Well, I, I think Josh, first myself, you and Aaron need to go, go visit uh, Stefan and, and and see if we can uh, maybe with a little bit of wine uh, do some some uh, work on that roadmap <laughs> on the on the KYC side. Oh, there's a beautiful product that's awaiting us. I because honestly, that's the holy grail at, in the short term, right? Is is how do we solve for some of the challenges associated at least with that use case? Anyway, I'm going to take a step back. So when I think about the value proposition of identity, I kind of look at it in two different ways. The first is I look at the internal organization and then I look at the external ecosystem. And so when I think about the internal organization and I think about anyone who's listening to this podcast who's actually from, you know, corporate or an MSME, wherever they are from, is, is think about your supply chain. Think about your, your customer relationship management with your customers, your supply relationship management system with all your suppliers, vendor management, etc. All of these internal solutions, generally speaking, have some form of process of trying to figure out how do I onboard someone? How do I do some checks and balances on whoever I've onboarded? How do I maintain that data? And then ultimately through analytics and, and a lot of the, the, the analytical uh, products that we have today, trying to figure out how do I optimize my, the margin within my organization by knowing who I'm spending what with and where else I'm actually engaging with those participants. I think it's important when you think about the internal organization and the LEI, it actually helps you solve a major issue, right? Which is how do I ensure that I can correlate all these legal entity identifiers that are in these separate silo systems together? And the value proposition is enormous. There are so many large corporates out there who they, they have a customer who's also a supplier and it's impossible to link these up or someone's busy generating a purchase order and they're typing some, you know, the name of the, the entity in a specific way that doesn't match up to any. There's all, there are organizations, you know, negotiating master agreements and then just the master agreement on its own and the purchase orders don't line up. So I look at the LEI as a mechanism where we can actually help solve for this internal challenge when it comes to this data and help us um, you know, extract a, an enormous amount of value in the process. And then when we come to the, the external ecosystem, it's, it's not very different, right? We're all doing the same checks. We're all checking similar things on similar organizations over and over and over again. So as a foundation, how do we actually leverage the LEI within our ecosystem so that we can not remove risk management processes, but start easing them? And then secondly, how do we actually use these mechanisms to advocate for policy change? Because the reality is we're in a very different spot today than we were 10 years ago. And we need to bring all of these things to the table, right? So if I'm, again, if I'm thinking as a corporate, I'm thinking about how do I ensure that my ecosystem is using LEI? So firstly, how do I ensure that I have a FinTech that is using an identity provider that five years from now, 
I don't need to go and reinvent or redo everything because, you know, my suppliers or someone in my supply chain have adopted the LEI. And then secondly, as I'm now starting to work in an ecosystem with all the participants using LEI, how do I actually optimize my processes? Because the reality is it's easier to switch between these various solutions um, when, when you know that you're all talking about the same legal entity identifier uh, in the process. So I can go off on a tangent, but I think if most people, when they think about LEI, gets that it's foundational. All our processes reference it, especially in the external ecosystem. And if you're thinking about even non-trade or supply chain related enablers like analytics, for example, you can't do without it. Anyway, I'm going to pause for now. Karen, <laughs> I saw you wanted to say something before I went. <laughs> That's fine. I think, you know, as a fintech, we you know, and as a as, as an entity with you know with good governance processes, one of our one of our key things is to make sure that we know who we're dealing with and who our customers are. Mm. And to do those KYC, those AML, those sanction screenings. You know, we all have to use the same set of third party platforms out there that offer these services. But at the moment, there are very few of those that recognise the LEI. So we're still left with that string name search and a huge amount of false positives. And I think there are entire departments in organizations that are now just there to weed out all of those false positives. And so by getting those types of entities using KYC and even having governance, uh, governments putting out, you know, watch lists and sanctions lists using LEIs will be a huge benefit to fintechs and to all corporates and banks around the world. So, so I definitely think that's something as an industry we should continue to uh, push for. And Aaron, if I may say so, what I really like about our cooperation, which is which is which is really showing the path for, for the future, is the following: while everybody agrees that the LEI is a is a fantastic tool in theory, when it comes to change of legacy, then all of a sudden, you know, people are a little bit more, you know, pushing back, and well, you know, the cost involved and everything else. I think the fintechs can play a fundamental role here by adopting these standards right from the start. And, and and demonstrating um, to the corporate world how easy it is, you know, if you do that. So I I really appreciate what you're doing, um, and I think it's it's the right way moving forward. That's great. You know, I, I think even though uh, LEI doesn't do full KYC yet, at least until we have some wine uh, and a vaccinated travel <laughs> lane, uh, it does provide that foundation, and that's a really good word for it because. Without that identity, you can't do all of those other processes that you need to do. And uh, when you talked about those five areas of, of trade with supply chain and payments and trade finance, uh, there may be one more, which is you know paper that sort of holds it all together. I think with paper documents, people might you know skip over if it has a an accent on the end of the e. Uh, but with computer systems that that crave structure and if interoperability is going to be the way that we sort of digitize end-to-end -end processes. If it's missing that accent, you get an error message, which is a much different thing. Uh, and this is why it's so important to have that foundation. Otherwise, you're going to have bad customer experiences. And I think this is something that that uh, I know Contour has has experience, and I'm sure lots of platforms around the world have. So, I guess the next question for you, Aaron, is, you know, how are we actually going to help um, corporate customers getting an LEI? I know there's already uh, two million customers that have one, and lots of Contour customers probably already have an LEI, but as we go into the SME space, and I know uh, Gleef is doing the same, 
Uh, are we going to support uh, clients getting one who may not know what an LEI is? Uh, is that going to make changes to to your onboarding uh, process or cost to the uh, the end user? Uh, we're really curious to see how we're going to go about that. Yeah. So as we as we started to look at our customer base, and we you know after we sort of made the decision to adopt the LEI, we actually went and did a search of all of our customers to see who has an LEI. And actually about 50% of the customers we had onboarded already had one. So that was great. So that meant we could sort of back populate with their consent that data into our system really well. So I think that's a testament to the work that has been happening over the last few years to get those customers educated about LEIs. But, but what we will do now is to act as another cheerleader for this identifier. So as we talk to corporates, especially the SMEs in markets where the LEI may not be as advanced, we will continue to sing the praises of the LEI to educate our clients what the LEI can be used for, not just in Contour, but how it can be used with integrations in other networks. And as we've said around, you know, supply chains and payments in the future and how it opens up the door to a whole raft of other things. So, so number one for us is education on everybody, just so that we're here to support the entire industry in digitizing trade. So what we will do for those organizations that don't have an LEI is after we've educated them and they understand the benefits and obviously they're looking to come onto Contour, what we'll do is just follow them through our standard onboarding process. So we do collect some information about the organization as they come onto Contour. Hopefully we don't need to capture any more information from them. So as they go through our automated onboarding journey, they don't need to provide any more data. They don't need to sign any other agreements. What we've done is, is working with the various registration agents and industries is to make sure that we can wrap up all of the legals as nicely as possible to reduce that complexity for our members. So what we'll do through the onboarding process is just register for an LEI for them. So we act as what's called a registra registration agent for them that will work with the, the foundation to then provide them with a legal entity identifier that will then be used in Contour, but more importantly, will provide them with a globally recognizable identity that they can use across their organization in other systems as well. And then what we're doing is we're actually sponsoring that cost. So there is a cost for the LEI, but what we're doing is including that in their membership for Contour. So that gives them real value on day one for joining Contour. And it's something that we feel is, is an investment in sort of their relationship with us and will help them see the benefits of digitization much quicker. That's great. Thanks, Aaron. So get your free LEI now and sign up with, with Contour. Um, any other comments from, from Stephen or, or Oswald that you may have wanted to share with our audience today? Well, I think I, I think it's, uh, well, Aaron, I think that's a, a massive step into kind of the future. Uh, what a lot of the audience members probably also don't necessarily know is that when you have a look at a lot of the new standards that are produced, uh, most of them actually reference the LEI as a way of actually defining that data. And so, again, this is just a part of that process as to how do we ensure that we don't just have a standard that says something for the production of these title documents, as an example, but we actually have a mechanism of enabling it. And I personally don't know how we enable all of these new future use cases, for example, around you know sustainability, et cetera, if we don't have a legal entity identifier that is, is already operational at some form of scale. If we have to all start at zero again and spend the next 10 years to try and get everyone 
into some new novel legal entity identification process, I just don't know how that will work. So, um, so yeah, so just thank you for, for leading by example, is what I would say. You're welcome. Well, You're you, you mentioned a very important point. We believe that the world is getting increasingly complex and more inter, uh, interlinked with each other. And some of these issues can only be addressed on a global scale. And you mentioned sustainability. I think that's a very important aspect these days, right? And uh, it spans, you know, from carbon footprint down to, you know, uh, social labor work and everything else. Um, the, the only way how people can get an overview on their on their on their value chain is using global standards, and uh, that's what we're you know also see now with regulators and 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 others that they start to understand the importance of a global standard. That's great. Oh, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but I want to thank everyone for your fantastic insights. Um, that was our, our very own Chief Operating Officer, Aaron Seabrook, Stephen Wolf, the CEO of Gleef, and Oswald Keeler, the Managing Director of ICC's Digital Standards Initiative. So thanks for listening in. Until next time, I'm Joshua Craker, signing off. Mm -hmm.